busca de un mejor destino para ti lo que viniera de ti tu pueblo tu pueblo no conoció tu entrega y oportunistas se robaron tu idea Hello everyone and welcome to the fourth episode of the Inside the Journey podcast I'm Nelson DeWitt and I'm John Younger and we are working on the documentary film Identifying Nelson Buscando a Roberto So Today's episode should be coming out on May 26th, but we're actually recording this uh, earlier, um, the 11th of May. Is that today's date? <laughs> but uh, last week was the launch of the podcast, and the first episode came out, and uh, we got a lot of people who checked it out. So John and I just wanted to say thank you so much. It means the world to us, and uh, since the other episodes were pre-recorded, This is the first opportunity that we have to say thank you. So we just thank wanted you. to acknowledge that. We are really, really interested in getting your feedback. I know, John, you wanted to know what people thought about the podcast, right? The point of doing this is sort of to have a conversation about what we feel like is important about what we're doing. And so I hope, you know, people question us and point us in different directions and And let us know, you know, just talk back. <laughs> like, I hope it's a two-sided conversation or three-sided or eight-sided or whatever. So, John, what are we talking about this week? In the past, we sort of covered the ground of, of what we've been doing and, and just getting a chance to convey what our experiences have been so far. Um, and this week is where we'd like to go with things. So, yeah. Today, we, we really want to share what's going to happen over the next six months and kind of our vision for the film and possibly where it could go beyond that. So, John, let me ask you, what do you think your your vision, I guess as the director, what's your vision for uh, the, the film as a whole? Initially, when we set out to do this, we, we were going to do one big feature length, which feature length means like, More than 50 minutes, I think, is the technical definition. But, um, you know, we wanted to do it like a movie. And I think that's really ambitious, and we've found that we don't want it to take five years, like sometimes documentaries can take, you know. Um, and so we want to release it in installments or episodes, so we want to break it up some. And I think that the first piece, what we shot when we went to, to El Salvador, um, met with Nelson's family and met people who participated in the Day of the Disappeared Children. That first piece is introducing people to Nelson's story and sharing the greater context of the um, disappeared children to sort of give you a, a lens onto the war. And that's really the first piece. And it, it'll stand alone, and if that's, you know, it, it'll be a great accomplishment when, when we're done. And we hope we get a chance to do more episodes after that. Yeah, and we'll kind of talk about what those other episodes will be uh, towards the end of the podcast. But I think one of the things that, that I really do want to say is that when we started this, both John and I wanted to make a very high-quality product, something that could appear in uh, a film festival or a theatrical release or on network television. And I've learned that to To do that, it takes a lot of resources and it takes time, you know, because you have to tell a compelling story and there's a lot 
that goes into it that you don't even think about. You know, I, I wish we had said from the very beginning that this is this is a long process, but we want to do something that is that is high quality and meaningful. Yeah, and I'd also just say it's both of our first times um, doing something of this scope, and you know, some of it's like. I'd, I'd love to be able to do things quicker when it's my second or third time, but but um, I, I also want to get it right and want to do a good job. And it's taking it's taking what it's taking, and some of that is you know I, I take the onus for that too. Looking ahead over the next six months, one of the things we're trying to do is kind of get uh, um, push towards a fall release, right? Both John and I feel like we, we've been working on this thing for a long time where it feels like forever for us, and we want to get it out. You know, we, we want to have it out there to make a difference, to share with people, and so we, we have picked this deadline of the fall, and we're working really hard to, to get it out there, you know. And to do that, we have to... Uh, there's a lot of editing that we still need to do. As far as this first episode goes, there are five different scenes that make up episode one or act one. And uh, we have one in a very good place, and we have four that are sort of in a rough draft form. John, what are some of the challenges uh, kind of as a director, story writer, that you face in getting those done? I think the most challenging thing so far has been to balance sort of your voice of what it was like to experience these events and, and sort of the, the journey you go through because you do have an arc during that week. You know, you, you, something happens for you. To balance that with giving the audience enough information and context to understand... The war and everything. That yeah, happened. and the disappearances and the people we're meeting. And, and we had this discussion the, the other day is the the scene two as it stands now there's a there's a lot of historical information that we're putting in there and uh, kind of my pushback to you has been well that's not how I experience things you know for me it was this kind of unfolding story that took a decade to more more than that more than a decade to fully understand to to really wrap my head around everything that happened and so um, I know you're trying to balance giving the audience enough information so that they understand the important pieces and they don't feel lost with how I experienced experience it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be challenging. That I think that's been the hardest thing is, is not to make it sound clinical and, and where people's eyes glaze over and just keep it in your voice. And, and, uh, and yet, you know, people can't be totally lost, you know, like whenever we're talking, we, we bring to it what we already know. And the audience doesn't, we're going to have to assume the audience doesn't know anything. So you got to give them enough information as you're moving through your journey for them to, to really follow it. It's, it's a tough challenge to, uh, to say the least mm -hmm. over the next couple months, we'll be working on writing, writing and editing those and, um, really pushing to have the film about 90% done in the fall editing and writing a documentary is a pretty solitary experience and and yet like you're going through this journey as we even call the podcast and i i feel like it's a different format for some of the stuff you know like the documentary is very condensed like we'll interview somebody for an hour and the audience will see a minute and a half of it 
dispersed throughout the film. And man, there's stuff that you leave on the cutting floor that kills you. <laughs> we want to introduce people to some of these people we came across, some of the people that are involved in the story or know more about the war. And just, you know, anybody that's interested in this subject matter listens and, and finds what we're talking about interesting, that they have resources where they can learn more. And uh, it's updating people as to where we are and what we've been doing, but it's also just making it a lot more accessible, making sort of the solitary at this point, you know, filming's not solitary, but editing is, and it's making it more accessible to people than, than the documentary, which like gets released at a certain time and only lasts for an hour. And, you know, yeah. And, and we've also talked about the, the podcast as kind of the, the director's cut or behind the scenes, you know, we're hoping to bring that kind of, uh, feeling to it where you know we are talking about our thoughts um, about the film and where it is and you know this particular scene or this particular person that that we interview you know and we hope to share some of that i used to work on uh, a lot of little shoots for like behind the scenes like extra features for dvd content and I, and as the business was changing, I always felt like, well, they should do all the same stuff they've been doing. They should just use it to help get people to know about their film beforehand, not after, you know, like just put, make this stuff available and you just don't have to put it behind some DVD purchase, you know, you just, let's put it out in front instead of in back. And so, yeah, I kind of view this as like the behind the scenes features. <laughs> I, I guess that's one of the reasons why we want feedback, right? Is we want to make sure that we're doing a, a great job. Um, you can see what resonates with people, and it's nice to hear people. It's very validating to hear that people actually have a question or you provoke them to think about something. You know, with the podcast, we're trying to launch a second crowdfunding campaign. And uh, this kind of gets a little complicated um, because we are still trying to finish the first Kickstarter campaign that we launched in 2010. We need to finish the rewards, and we're actually working again with uh, Cedric Victor, who is the designer for both MissingMila.com, which is the site for my mother's book, and IdentifyingNelson.com. So he's a, a wonderful designer. And he lives in New York. One thing that's really cool about Cedric is Cedric, before he ever came in touch with us had already volunteered for amnesty international to do like a letter writing campaign on behalf of the disappeared children um and he's a great artist that that took a big interest and has put a lot of time and effort into helping yeah so we'll be working with him to do the rewards like the t-shirt and the and the photo book and i i'm really excited because i think he he has a lot of great experience in producing things like that and he's able to tell us exactly what we need to give him to be able to do it anyway so uh wrapping up the first kickstarter campaign that's a huge priority as we ramp up for this second campaign a second crowdfunding campaign would be aimed at like a crossover audience you know the first one was our friends and family helped because they were really interested and thought we'd do something neat and this the second time we try and do this it's sort of like we're trying to build an audience now to get this message out um to a larger a, a, to a people wider audience yeah right? beyond our friends and people that are interested in human rights or latin america or 
adoption uh, or just have read your mom's book and and find this story compelling uh, i don't know what the end game will be you know i we just don't know like it could be a crowdfunding campaign that, and and maybe we're fortunate and some broadcast network buys it or we d- distribute it in uh, independently like we don't know but along the way we don't want a lot of gatekeepers that say yes and no and do this and do that you know, with the potential partnerships, like any sort of business deal, there are always these these risks and rewards, and, and we're trying to stay independent as long as possible. And our research showed that a lot of uh, that independent films, they make all these different rewards. And so I was kind of looking at it and say, well, if, you know, they're making these rewards, why not run it as a crowdfunding campaign? Because if you can position it right, then it has a very broad impact. And, uh, you know, I've been studying the crowdfunding space enough to know that that can be your entire marketing right there. Maybe what would be more interesting, most interesting to people is if you can answer why you like crowdfunding. I mean, you were so interested, you literally wrote a book on Kickstarter, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this is this is not some like, oh, we're going to go do this. Like, this is this is fascinating to you, right? Right. Yeah, I, I've I've put a lot of time and energy trying to understand the crowdfunding space, and I think it goes all the way back to when I started. Um, my sort of entrepreneurial uh, adventure back in 2000 and 2006. I quit my job at a, a local bank and I wanted to be able to launch ideas into the world. Like I am an ideas person through and through. I always come up with something to do, whether it's a Kickstarter guide or a documentary film or something. And I wanted to be in a position where I could just launch that and not have uh not go through red tape and not well can i can i throw in like a personal observance too your life changed dramatically when you were 17 it's like right when you're going to college right i mean dramatically is almost like an understatement like you know oh you have a a family that's been looking for you for 15 years and and you have two families and how do you balance that and and so it changed your reality and then all of a sudden got to go to college, got to go get a job in corporate America. Like, well, but what if you want to spend three months in Panama this year? Like you just didn't have a normal existence by anybody's understanding. So like maybe doing things a little different is the only thing that fit. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was, you know, I wanted to maintain that kind of independence because that was so important for me. You know, I'd grown up going down to Central America for two months and then to only have two weeks of vacation a year just it 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 killed me you know like my spirit i just got depressed thinking about the fact that i only had two weeks of vacation how do you think crowdfunding fits into that when i launched the crowdfunding campaign in 2010 it was the first time that i really saw one of my ideas one of my sort of independent projects take off like if i could figure that out if i could understand the way that that works then i had a way to launch ideas. So I saw that as training wheels. What do you do? But you just launch projects over and over and over and over again until you get it, right? Every project has like five different things that they that they have to present, right? A video, rewards, uh, some documentation about what they're trying to do. And break it down for us, Nelson. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so that's essentially what I've been doing is 
after the documentary film, I wrote a book on Kickstarter, which was funded on Kickstarter. Then I launched another project on Kickstarter, which wasn't successful, but I learned a hell of a lot from that. And now I'm helping other people with their projects, all in the name of how do I push my ideas out into the world. The crowdfunding campaign is more than just let's just do it because that's what everyone else is doing. It's more like my idea doesn't fit into a tidy box and I need non-traditional gatekeepers to help wrangle it almost. Yes. To, to um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To give it credibility. Uh, I mean, it takes support. Any To do anything in depth takes, takes somebody getting behind it. Yeah. Right? So the crowdfunding platform has been amazing for a lot of these independent project i think it was really good for the even first installment that we've done too because people shared with us in a really i there's a lot of benefits to going and doing something with some big network but you couldn't have gone and got access to people and gotten the honesty and the intimacy that they gave us. I mean, because it was literally a couple of guys and, uh, you know, cause of modern technology and a little still camera that shoots f- fabulous video, you know, and, and it wasn't intimidating. It didn't, people didn't feel like what's this big TV camera in my face and what, you know, why is this? It was like, Oh, it's a cup. It's a couple of people that seems kind of familiar and in my own setting, in my own language. And it was really intimate, you know, and, and, uh, uh, I think people will see that when we finish. I'm excited about that. So that's kind of where we are looking for the next six months. You know, we have to finish editing all this stuff, wrap up the, the first campaign and start working on the second campaign. I think another reason for this podcast might be to rally our supporters to say, you know, like this thing that we've been working on for uh, two and a half years now is coming out and let's get excited. Let's, let's make some noise because I think, uh, maybe we don't celebrate enough in this culture, like our independent projects. Uh-huh. I was thinking about that the other day. I hope on our end, we like the podcast is a way to make it interactive. So people that uh, want to and, and find what it interesting and like listening to us and okay, here's an Avenue. Here's a way to participate. To finish the podcast here, I think we're just going to talk quickly about uh, the last two episodes, just where we would like to go with this uh, long term. And then, I'm even uh, hoping there's three, but that's just me. Yeah. So, so, yeah. All right. Well, John, how, how many episodes do you envision? It's sort of like, uh, what's what's the, the book, 12 Angry Men, where every chapter is written from a different person's perspective on a jury? Yeah. yeah like, I think we kind of want to do it that way, where... Where the first piece that we're doing now is uh, your disappeared children's perspective. The, the second piece maybe is more getting into the intricacies of North America, the United States, and, and through your adoptive parents' lens. Um, and then another piece is Central America getting in through the, your immediate family. And then I, I don't know if it, somehow it would be great to just sort of see when we finish all that, where where things are with the disappeared children down the road, you know, after we've done these stories, if anything's changed, it would be great to go back to El Salvador for another day of the disappeared someday, and hopefully things are better by then, you know? Yeah, and we always kind of envisioned, although we can't say because we don't know, we wanted to 
have some sort of impact with the film, um, whether it was a social campaign um, or uh, a movement or something that makes a dent in the universe. Yeah, well, the, like in reading all about independent films, you kind of have to pick your priority, and you may not get, you may not make, you know, make a lot of money or have some big studio contract or make a difference. Like you may not get all. You pick one, right? And our, our, what we picked is we'd like to make, we hope that the film makes a mark, makes a difference, does something, enacts social change. I, uh, that sounds grandiose, but we'll go with that. Don't just leave me hanging out there. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a great place to end it. I, I think that's exactly what we're trying to do. We want to make a, a dent in the universe in, in some small way, you know. It's very hard for us to say what that is at this exact moment because I think we're still trying to work that out. Yes and no. It's a post-war movie, you know, where, uh, and it's been interesting to me talking to you. Like, you didn't grow up in the Cold War. You know, you didn't grow up with, like, oh, news that the, the evil empire is going to nuke us. Or, you, know, like, you know, you grew up in the 90s. I grew up in the 80s. And I, I feel like one of the things we can kind of imp- in part, is this is a post-war movie for El Salvador, for the Cold War. I hope that the movie provides a greater perspective about a, an older time period that still has a lot of lasting consequences. And, and the disappeared children, it's, it's just, if more people in the United States are aware of it, there were, I, I, I think it's 2,500 adoptions from El Salvador to the United States during the war. I, I'm sure that that there are families in El Salvador that are still looking for their kids and, and some of them are here, you know? So I hope we raise awareness about that. So I think that's a good place to end it for today. Uh, all of the, um, I don't think we, we mentioned any images from, from the film today, but most of those will be in the show notes. So if you come back to the blog and look in the, into the show notes, you'll see any images or links that we may have mentioned in today's episode. Uh, Also check out the Enhanced podcast because the links and images are built right in. So that is a cool feature. You can... How you find it. You can find it by (laughs) subscribing. You're you're getting ahead of me, John. Sorry. (laughs) You you can find it by subscribing to the podcast by going to identifyingnelson.com. We hopefully will be in iTunes soon. By the time that you hear this, we may be, but I don't have that information for you yet. You can also join the mailing list. Again, that's on identifyingnelson.com. John would really love to hear from you. Uh, You can leave (laughs) us a comment at uh, Facebook slash identifyingnelson. I'd also love to hear your your comments as well. Uh, If you have something a little more personal to say, uh, you can always email us, podcast at identifyingnelson.com. That goes to both John and myself. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to share it. Sharing it with people spreads the words and helps us uh, sort of build the audience going forward. And uh, you can tune in next week because we have a special guest. John, who's our guest for next week? Our guest next week is Nelson's mom, Margaret Ward, who has written, who spent eight years researching and writing a book about the family story, which is 
tremendous. Yeah, we'll be talking to her about the book and uh, going into a little bit of the history of El Salvador. So, tune in next week. Uh, that's it for now. I'm Nelson DeWitt. I'm John. Cue the music. Bye. A los vientos